Hello and welcome again to the Stadio podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? How's your weekend? It was amazing, actually. Oh, yeah? What yeah. did you go up to? I was in the UK interviewing the great Kano. Whoa, name yeah. drop. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, huge fan of his. Huge fan of the new record. I'll be writing that up soon. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, for Crack Magazine, if you'll check it out. Um, oh, top. Very excited by that, yeah. An amazing guy. Really, really humble. Really humble human Is he a being. football guy? Not really, actually, no. That's uh, he, a shame. He was an amazing player. Um, he played for, I think, Chelsea. He was on Chelsea's books. Oh. Yeah, he could have been a pro. You didn't know this? No. Yeah, he was like an amazing footballer. And he but he was, doesn't really support a team or Not really into it. He's just like doing his own thing. He's just like basically just one of those like people who are really good at football who don't really care about it. Akala's like that as well, actually. Akala was on West Ham's books. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Asu Okoto, right? He just hated football, but he was a really good fullback. There's a few people like that. I think Espen Barton as well. Yeah. Uh, was it Espen Barton, the Norway keeper yeah. in Spurs? We went into like, I think, financial services. No, nice. corporate, I think corporate finance. Nice. So it sounds like a good weekend. How about you? How's, how's things going? It was nice. Summer was kind of back for the weekend in Berlin. I had a nice, relaxing Saturday afternoon in Charlottenburg with my yeah. mate Pepe, who listens to the podcast. Shouts to Pepe. For those who aren't aware of Charlottenburg, that's the fancy part of Berlin. It was lovely West Berlin. It was like a different Berlin. I rarely go over there. It's, it's nice. Really nice. But the, the wasps, oh my God, the wasps were so hyped this weekend. Like <laughs> Jordan Pickford wasps. Oh my God. They're so Too hyper. Energy. So hype. The wasps energy, everywhere energy. were so hype. They were just like, come on, lads. Because <laughs> they're just going through that, you know, wild end of season thing. Just all insects this weekend in Berlin were just on a on a on a hype, on a hype thing. <laughs> but football was on a hype thing as well this weekend. Everything's chaos. It is chaos. We know nothing. What are you saying? Yeah, we know nothing, Jon Snow, about football. Yeah, we know nothing. We know nothing, we Jon know. Snow. I can say that now. I've seen Game of Thrones. Yeah, we know nothing. I mean, there was chaos everywhere. Where should we start with the chaos? In an orderly, we'll start with chaos in an orderly fashion. We have to start with Granada. Yeah, I think I think so. So Antonio Pretis had a, a starring role in this game and Granada, I think, spent 8 million euros mm. and I think Barca spent, I think, 700. I think that's what the squads have cost. So Barca's squad, I think, has cost 700 million euros and Granada cost 8 million. They absolutely shut Barca down and it was such a comprehensive victory. And the frightening thing for Barca is they have all these pieces and every single one of them seems to be in the wrong place. Frankie de Jong took responsibility at the end, which I love, but actually the problems in that team are largely structural. So four four two they played, and they had a midfield of I think Rakitic and Sergio Roberto. So there's no speed there, and there's no intensity. There's ball retention, but there's not much else. Then you've got Griezmann and Suarez as a front two, which is awful because Griezmann plays really best, I think, when he's in behind someone or given a focal point to work around. And unfortunately, Suarez is not a focal point; he's a fixed point. He's not mobile anymore. He's good at picking off lower order teams like Valencia in games where it's set up around him, but in games where opposition have a plan, it's brutal. And can I be honest with you, Barcelona looked like Argentina. Ooh. They really did. Do you know when Barcelona played Chile in the Copa America when the first of the finals, I think the first of two finals. Argentina played Chile. Sorry. When Argentina played, what did I say? Barcelona. Oh my goodness. Freudian, kind of like cross-conference. Keep, keep that in, keep that in because that's <laughs> actually like a Freudian slip. When Argentina played Chile in the Copa America, and you watched Messi being swarmed. Messi was basically 35, 40, 40 yards from goal. And the Chile players would swarm him. They put a quarter around him, like a diamond. He was basically surrounded by midfield diamond. And there was no option at the front two getting anything off it. This is what it felt like. You know, Griezmann, I think, I think Grace on football tweeted, Griezmann had no, no key passes and maybe mm. no shots on target in 90 minutes. 
It was a very, very laboured performance. Horrifying. You know, I mean, Granada are doing incredibly well this They're season very so good far. Team. They've just come up as They're well. They're a very good team. You know, they've just come up. They are currently, I mean, five games played in La Liga and they're third. And they've scored the most goals, scored 11. Scored 11 goals more than anyone. Conceded only five. Yep. The fact that they're even there at all is right. Is incredible. They haven't lost since match day two. They've won three on the bounce. Beat Kelter. Yep. At, at Kelter. Who then, which is, you know, we all know that Kelter is not a place, there be dragons. You know, no, Kelter yeah. is not a place you go with any sense of, oh, wow, this is going to be a nice trip out. You yeah, know? They, drew at the, they drew at the Wanda on Friday. Right. No, Saturday, sorry. The resilient, very resilient team, Kelter. Athletic are top. And this time last season, Athletic were really struggling. La Liga is really, really good. Can I be honest with you? I don't know if there's an expression in another language for a scorpion in a sock. But La Liga this season is full of so many scorpions in socks. You turn up all these games like Granada. I don't get that. So, because so, when you pick the sock up, though, yeah. you would probably feel the scorpion in there, right? Mm, you slide it in, though. You just, slide, you just pick it up and just slide it in because you're not expecting it. That's the whole point of the scorpion. Maybe a, maybe a scorpion in a shoe. Have you seen how small scorpions are? They're small. They're not well, there's these... some that are absolute units. That's, that's marketing. Like, I think, I think there's, there's many damaging stereotypes of scorpions. The scorpion community. I didn't have you down as a, a scorpion truther. Yeah, a, a truther. Listen, you get, you get chat shit, get facts. We're laying down the law here. And We've got to get on a t-shirt. Shouts to Emma from... Uh, Al Faces on Twitter. Yeah, this fan girl who uh, called for that on a t-shirt. Chat shit, get facts. Maybe we'll do that with the Thirsty Musa t-shirts. So, <laughs> <laughs> so many hostile places to play now in that league. Mm. So many hostile places. Places, you know, we've always known Sociedad, that Anoeta was a tough place to go, but now they're doing it on the road. Mm. Now they're brutal on the road. Well, now they've rebuilt it as well or remodeled it. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different environment there Yeah, as well. It's very, very close to the pitch. And as we saw last week when they played Atleti, that's going to, cause people trouble this season they're fourth La Liga is super fun Atleti is sixth Barca are eighth after five games it's just I mean who at this point is not watching La Liga like people need to know get to know I know I know um, but we actually had a question on Barca right um, so let's maybe kind of go through the questions as we sure this, yeah this one's from Joshua Stevens on Twitter what accounts for Barca's bottoming out at Granada are we seeing the end of Messi saving everyone from Valverde's erosion of the DNA oh wow that's deep and it's true, we are. Yeah, but I, I'm not 100% convinced that Valverde is responsible for the erosion. Uh, I think that he has accelerated it, unfortunately. And I love Valverde. I do love Valverde. I just think that there's a... Look who he shows loyalty to. Malcolm. Malcolm didn't do anything wrong. And he's no. shit, off, shit off to Russia. Malcolm was excellent in the games where he was given a chance. One or two mistakes and he was out. Dembele hasn't been integrated, but... Mm, I don't know Dembele would not be integrated into a better, a team with a better sort of philosophy. If you're telling me that Dembele would play as badly for Guardiola at City as he's done for Valverde, I don't think he would. And all this talk about discipline and doesn't focus. No, I, I'm not going to buy that, sadly. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Dembele is too talented and doing too many incredible things for France, actually. You look at Dembele and some of the France friendlies and how he's been electrifying. I almost feel like, you know, there are some players that play for the national team it's like a break. It's like a escaping yeah. from a, under a cloud. Yeah. Pogba's like that. I think Dembele's like that. And I love Valverde and I, I love what he's done at Barca. At the same time, I'm like, you show loyalty to players who are manifestly subpar in certain positions. Do you think um, something I've been pondering? Of an evening? You know, I often like to ponder. Yes, yes. And your um, smoking jacket. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that Valverde is not necessarily a philosophy manager. I don't know, though. I don't know. 
But I mean, for example, it's not as if like Enrique came in mm. and Barca kind of started to kind of mould into a bit of a counter-attacking team, didn't Sacrificing they? Sacrificing match control, yes. And yes. obviously you had Guardiola. Everyone knows what that was like. Yeah. I just wonder where it breaks down in terms of the balance between what Valverde is given or told. For example, if Barca were super smart this summer, they would have offloaded Suarez, I think. Yes. With the additions that they made and with the players coming through, yeah. there was a real chance there to break away and push more in a really, really speedy, fluid, attacking Agreed. philosophy, if you like. Yes. And I think Suarez halts all that. Yeah. If you take Suarez out of that equation, you put Griezmann as like a central striker. Yeah. And you put pace around him and Messi a little bit deeper. Yeah. That's frightening. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. I, I wonder if the board went after Griezmann as opposed to Valverde, which is probably what happened. If you look at the squad as a whole, and, the, and people who are experts on Barca stuff will definitely be able to correct me here, but it just kind of feels like it's a little bit all over the place. It doesn't really align. The there's, too, there's too many people who are suited to different systems. It reminds me a little bit of those early World Cup 2018 games and the yeah. France lineups. And we were a little bit like, what's Deschamps trying to do here? Yeah, right. He's playing three, the front, a front three that are all best suited to three different systems. Yes. And they started really slow. But if you think of the players that Barca have in attacking positions, if you take Suarez out, so you have Griezmann, you have Ansu Fati, you have Perez, you have Dembele. That's lightning quick in transition yeah, and really see, good at link play. I only think that, I don't think Perez is that good. Oh, I think he's all right. I I, think, yeah, I think he's all right. I think that unfortunately there's real, it sounds strange to think there's a, there's a dearth for Barca up front. But I almost think they need to go back to basics. Don't go with Messi deep at the moment. I almost think now you need to go with a front three of um, Dembele or Fatty. I think Dembele, actually, Fatty can't be overexposed. I think Dembele, Griezmann as a central and Messi as the right. Or, 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 and then basically have a midfield three. Keep it simple. Arthur, De Jong, Busquets. Like that's your midfield three. Because if you have Semedo at right back, for example, and you have Messi as like a floating right Winger. Then you're cooking with then gas. Messi comes inside. Tomatoes like playing rapid. diagonals to yeah. Jordi Alba. Then you, Messi in the sort of inside right pocket, still devastating from there, and just a bit closer to goal because against Granada, Messi was twenty yards too far back and couldn't initiate. Yeah, he came at half time. But, even, he, but, but even what he did, even what he did, you a saw rare, rare sighting of um, short sleeved Messi in the league. I mean, Messi looked busy. I mean, he looked like how do I say this? It's like you've got a building contract. And everyone else has been slacking on the site and Messi's, you know, he's come out from an injury and he sees everyone else. He's like, if we don't hit our targets, we're not going to get our full paycheck. <laughs> and Messi was just running around, like mixing the cement, carrying up the, you know, and everyone was kind of like watching him, like and yeah. him and Ansu Fati, come on, Ansu, come on, Ansu. It was like Messi and Ansu Fati, we've got to work, we've got to work. Like the amount that Barca went through Ansu Fati and the amount mm. that actually Messi trusted Ansu Fati, because that's funny, Messi doesn't say much, but he also does. Messi's distribution says everything. And the speed of the passes he was hammering into Ansu Fati's feet, the movement, his entire body movement, and the way that Messi's body was positioned very often. How often did he move to the, to the right? Mm. He didn't look, he said, there's nothing for me there. Messi looked around and he was like, nah, we're not going to get this done. Do you know who else he does that with a lot? Dembele. He trusts him, yeah. Elsewhere in Spain, proving that we know nothing. Barcelona beat Atleti 6-1. Well, Barca Femini. What was going on there? I didn't catch the game live. I've only seen the highlights, but that is essentially the Classico. Right, absolutely. There was a fun tweet. I can't remember who wrote it. I think it might have been Tim Stillman wrote us that, you know, Barca have now had massive, massive wins in the fake Classico and the real Classico. <laughs> 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 because obviously Tacon has been purchased by Real Madrid, but they're not called Real Madrid yet. But they're trying to build that as the women's Classico, but it's Barca. It's not happening, yeah. So chaos in Spain. 
chaos in the Premier League. Oh my goodness. So, so, so Leicester beat Spurs 2-1. And Leicester actually just a very good team. What I love about Leicester doing well, it's so nice for young players to see you can achieve your potential at, at a club like Leicester. Which, you know, not the biggest club, but actually it's got a huge revenue. Actually, it's got a huge... But by European standards, Leicester's a huge club. By the standards of Premier League, it's not a huge club. But it's so nice that young players can look at that as a career pathway. Mm. We can stay at Leicester for five, six, seven years. We can be a one club, a one club player. And that's really, I love to see that emergence. Great win for them. Great comeback. And now Spurs are looking anxious because, you know, this is the season a lot of us, including me, were like, yeah, they're going to kick on. The scary thing for Spurs is that the problems people anticipated in the right back spot have been absolutely borne out. Mm. Trippier is superb at Atleti. Actually, Atleti, Atleti have their own problems in Spain. I mean, the scary thing for Atleti is their two fullbacks are their most creative players, which is not a good look apart from Giraffe Felix. But you get rid of Trippier and you don't replace him and you struggle like Spurs are struggling. I, th- I think the form of Christian Eriksen is a bit worrying as well. He was very, very poor in midweek, very poor in the Champions League Can and I be therefore dropped at the weekend. There were a lot of Spurs fans who were not, who would not have been sad to see the back of him for a large sum of money in the summer. Yeah. They were saying that. A lot of Spurs fans, you know, were saying, actually, he provides the kind of highlight moments that casual Spurs observers will be like, oh, Ericsson, wow, he's nits all together. But they're like, actually, game to game, he's not the guy. Uh, so, I mean, Spurs are seventh. Six yeah. games in now, the Premier League. I mean, is that a, that's an adequate sample size, right? Yeah. This Premier League season is wild as a bag of cats. I'll call it. It's a bag of cats. You look at A that, bag of wild cats, obviously, because if you have no, a bag of all domestic, cats, domesticated no, all cats. cats. All cats in a bag are wild. <laughs> it just, it's just what happens. They all become wild. What's interesting about this Premier League so far, and it's a good sample size, in fact, Wolves, this is what happens. This is your difficult second season. It's a difficult second album. They've already played 13 games this season. The Europa League does this to teams of that kind of nature. They don't have the depth, do they? They don't. And they didn't have the goals before. This thing about Wolves, like, this is why teams that don't have high volume goal scorers struggle in these leagues because the goals get out of jail. Mm. If they had a player like Bas Dost, for example, someone who's just going to get his, you know, there's in basketball, the NBA, there's those players that get their 20 points a night, 25 a night. Bas Dost gets you 20 a night. He's that kind of guy. And rain or shine. Wolves don't have that high volume goal scorer. So now they don't have, they've got this fixture pressure. It's killing them. The other problem, there are other issues for other teams. So you've got you know, Everton is struggling, but unfortunately... Marco Silva. Can I be honest with you? He looked very, very sad after Can I be game. honest with you? Go on. Everton are the catfish, aren't they? Oh, I don't uh, know. I think everyone's a catfish. No, I think Everton's the catfish. I think the whole league's a catfish. It's catfish <laughs> league. <laughs> the entire league. Yeah. They've caught it. <laughs> everyone's ca- You know what? Here's the thing about the Premier League. Everyone can catch a body. That's the thing. <laughs> no one's safe. Anyone can get it. No Anyone one can- is safe. Who can get this? It's wild out there. Streets is wild. Little Sim said it. Who's going to get this work? Everyone's, everyone's getting this work. <laughs> Should we speak about Chelsea-Liverpool? Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. Sorry, Liverpool fans listening, but it was just very funny to see Van Dijk turn into a statue. <laughs> You've mentioned this a couple of times this season. It was just funny. It was funny because... You're mischievous. It's the audacity. I saw your Arsenal do you know, tweet. Do you know what was so funny though? It's the audacity of... N'Golo Kante ran right through the middle of the... That was a wonderful goal. Do you know what the guts? Because no one does that. Almost mm. the audacity. Because all the Liverpool fans were like, Liverpool players were like, is he coming for us? It's almost like, yeah. really? You come at the king? Oh, he, oh, he, didn't, he didn't miss. Uh, the yeah. finish was amazing. Do you know what's so wild about the goal though? And it's a beautiful goal. No, you can't really blame a Liverpool player for that because I think what was so amazing about the goal was that it confirmed just how good you have to be to score against Liverpool. Yeah. Because if they analyse that goal, which they will, they'll be like, 
mm, no one actually did anything wrong. The angle that um, Kante runs is so weird. He basically runs a diagonal, right? And he makes a 45 degree cut to the right. Like it's a really abnormal run that he takes. Cuts very sharply into the box, towards the top of the box. And then he hits it on the run mm. with no backlift. So the two players coming out in the centre-backs are like a step short, which they would be because it's not natural to shoot like that. So actually, yeah. if you look back and, you know, just joking Liverpool, if you look back at that goal, you're like, nah, just, just chalk it off. You're going to score a worldie. Like Liverpool would be saying, I would suppose, we want teams to be scoring spectacular goals against us. Mm. You look at the most famous goal that Liverpool scored last year. What was it? Hazard. Yeah. That's how good you have to be to break down a defence like that. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a positive. Weirdly enough, it's very few times conceding a goal be a positive, but that was it and they came away with a win, you know. Frank Lampard as well, the only man who could probably take over a Chelsea side, not win any of their first three home games of a season for the first time in 30 odd years and get clapped off. Well, because he's doing a really good job there. It's quite nice to see Chelsea being a little bit patient. He's doing a really good job there though. I mean, look. It's going to take time. Yeah, they, they should have they should have got the Piliqueta goal. The offside was very unlucky, I think. I mean, actually, Harry Sethi made a very good point. He said, look, if it I've wasn't... I've got two questions from him, actually, I'm about it, to ask. He said, if it wasn't for Kepa, it could have been 4-0 yeah. uh, after an hour. So, I mean... Two questions from Harry. All oh, right, yeah. He said, uh, first one, how anxious should Pulisic fans be about how little action he's seen at Chelsea in these opening weeks? I think he would have come on yesterday, actually, if they hadn't had the injuries. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he was a signing that was made very, very far in advance of Lampard taking over. Yeah. And obviously Lampard is showing preference to Chelsea Academy players. Do you not love about Lampard though? This is the context. When people look at like what Pulisic is going through at Chelsea, the context of what Lampard went through. This is a guy that signed for 11 million under Ranieri. And then if you look at the players that came into the Chelsea midfield and went out again. Yeah. Veron came in. Like all these incredible players, Deco, players that could have replaced Lampard and they ended up accompanying him. And so Lampard's mentality must be, firstly, reputation is nothing that I care about. And secondly, good players will get their chance. Good players will be integrated. Look how long it took to integrate Balak. Yeah. And people thought Balak couldn't be integrated alongside Lampard. And I, one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen was when, sorry to bring this up again, Arsenal gave Stamford Bridge and Drogba scored twice, I think in the first half. I remember and that. Lampard and Balak. Yeah. I mean. Thanks. It looked like border control. It was brutal. <laughs> it was absolutely brutal. I went back from Brussels recently into the UK and I saw five guards at border control and they were half as intimidating as that part of Ballack. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, another question from Harry. Thoughts on where Trent Alexander-Arnold ranks amongst the best right backs in Europe? Harry, can I just say this first of all? I don't think that's actually the question that does him justice because I think we actually have a very poor crop of right backs in Europe at the moment. I don't think we have, the, we don't have a vintage crop of right backs, but I'll say within that, he is top five. And I think a better question or a fairer question is how does he rank among defenders or attacking players from within their own half? So including sort of right wingers, right, I think he's as good as, I think in terms of anyone on the flanks, you could even say, argue he's top 10. You could argue he's that good. I would say like of all players that, basically create chances in the final third from blanks. Spoken by the man who wrote the age of the fullback. That is high praise. I have spoken, yes. <laughs> but no, I think, I think he's just an absolutely wonderful player. And I, what I love about him is how Klopp trusts him with the set pieces. Trusts him. He's so quick thinking, you know, the famous goal against Liverpool that he set up um, in the semi-final. For Liverpool. Sorry, sorry. For Liverpool, yeah. Against um, Barcelona in the comeback. 
Uh, so yeah, just such a quick thinking player, and yeah, I love him. Yeah, Crazy. he's great. He's great, and his free kick was incredible on the weekend. What a finish! Superb. Elsewhere in the Premier League chaos, this is the thing: Manchester City won eight nil and had five goals in eighteen minutes, and it arguably wasn't the least expected thing this weekend. It was the most orderly thing of the weekend. It wasn't chaotic at all. It was the most orderly thing. It's super weird this because an eight nil win with five goals in eighteen minutes. And it kind of doesn't really need that much dissecting. No. Like Pep just said, it was a weird game. It was weird. It was weird. The whole thing was weird. He's kind of nailed it. Going 5-0 up in 18 minutes is weird. And they were great, but it but, was but, weird. But, but also, yeah, because it's also what happened to Watford. Like there's something there. You know, the Arsenal game, new manager bounce. They get a good result and they just kind of chill a bit. They weren't expecting to go there. They had a bit more goodwill behind them. And it was the perfect storm, actually. You're right. They were kind of feeling good about themselves. And the problem with City is if you basically turn up... Actually, do you know what Man City are like? They're like the All Blacks in rugby now. Mm. You know how the All Blacks, basically, you expect them to win every week. When they draw, it's a surprise. When they lose, when the All Blacks lose, it's basically like headlines for three weeks. It's the worst time probably to play. It's such a cliche, but the worst time to play them after yeah. a result like the Norwich one. I'm actually going to start... They're the, they're the All Blues... Ooh. Actually, have you watched uh, the Watch? Have you read the Watchmen? No. So there's a character in the Watchmen called Doctor Manhattan, and I'm now going to start calling Man City the Manhattan Project because <laughs> Doctor Manhattan's basically a human who's basically like modified into a nuclear weapon. Is this another thing I'm going to have to catch up on? Yeah, yeah. So Doctor Manhattan, he's this light blue human. He's like a super. He goes into war and just wipes everyone out. And the only way you ever beat him is if he gets distracted. Wow. And that city basically, they're basically Doctor Manhattan. I mean, like, basically, Norwich poked the bear. They poked them, and then I mean. Quick one on Bernardo Silva. Yeah. Very, very silly tweet. It was, it was. It's been it was, investigated, apparently, time of recording. So he tweeted a picture of a Bernard Mendy looking like a type of, a peanut chocolate, the Conguitos. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not massively aware of I had a look, I looked at an article and actually um, a Portuguese guy flagged it up. Well, sort of Welsh citizen of Portuguese heritage flagged it up a few years ago, a similar brand. He said, this is actually a racist brand of um, chocolate because of the, the imagery. It's kind of very sort of 1950s Tintin style, like big lips, black eyes. with like, Akin to the British brand of marmalade, previous mascot. It's, it's a Gollywog style. Yeah, yeah, like a Gollywog style. I didn't want to say it. Yeah, no, it's fine. It was, and it, I remember seeing this tweet and going, and I actually tweeted, and like, the tweet got misinterpreted, so I deleted it quickly. But I was basically like, this is the kind of message that should stay in a WhatsApp group. The point being, if a friend sends you something that ignorant, and you're like, hey man, that's a bit, you kind of like, there's a nervous laughter, then you're like, hey, that's not cool. Then it ends there. Mm. But then to put that out to like all these different people where these aren't your friends and they're going to look at it and be like, this is some grim stereotyping. This is idiotic. You know, you've got to expect that. You've got to expect that reaction. Are we filing this into very silly as opposed to... There's no malice. There's it's, no malice. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a really, it's the kind of ignorance that we wish did not exist. And it's the kind of ignorance actually, yeah, I hope you just check this and be like, yeah, just kind of check yourself. Like people think aren't... before you tweet. Yeah, yeah, just check check yourself a bit. There's yeah. an interesting conversation to be had about um, you know, when your heroes mess up. Yeah, I think it was Oliver Kay. He wrote mm. a thing about Peter Beardsley, who's obviously been found guilty and mm. suspended by the FA of racism. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, some of the comments he was making. Yeah, whilst coaching, is it the Newcastle under 19s? Yeah, I think there's a thing to be said there about the inability of some people to separate footballers from the humans yeah, and how you can still say, for example, yeah, Peter Beasley was an incredible football player, but unfortunately not as good a human, maybe. Do you know the first thing I thought you know? of was when I thought of this? John Barnes. 
John Barnes basically played an entire, what, career with Beardsley? Yeah. And that level of ignorance that Barnes was obviously exposed to day in, day out. And that is why I think John Barnes has this very much kind of, oh, it's subconscious racism, it's society. Um, I think that's why he's like that. Barnes is like, Beardsley was his guy. Like, they played together for so long. All I'll say about Peter Beardsley is this. There could have been a young John Barnes in the Newcastle Academy system Absolutely, could have discouraged, right? And the most painful thing about what Peter Beardsley did is the young John Barnes that was maybe someone in that academy system could have been discouraged from playing with the young Peter Beardsley. And that's the painful thing. Beardsley's behaviour means that that Beardsley-Barnes partnership that was so beautiful for so long in English football becomes less possible because of his behaviour. And that is the fundamental sadness about all of this. Absolutely. Before we go to a break, yeah. Should we go back to more Premier League chaos? Please, Fun please. chaos. More, more chaos, more chaos. <laughs> uh, chaos at the Emirates, again. Can I just, I, I picked a fight with Arsenal Twitter. Did you see that? I saw it. You posted, that's basically your thirst trap. I posted a thirst trap. Moose is posting thirsty tweets. I picked a fight. I've called out all of Arsenal Twitter. I'm sending for all of you. Listen, this is a dub. I'm sending for all of you. War dub. I, yes, a war dub for the whole of Arsenal Twitter. Because I... Didn't get to catch the Arsenal for the game. So I was only watching it, like the occasional like Twitter, sort of, you know, Arsenal Twitter, I was checking in. And there was no sense for how true, dramatic and horrifying and stressful that game really was. It's because everyone's become numb to it now. Someone said that we've been desensitised. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the trauma. It's a complete parallel of European politics. The abnormal and the outrageous is now the norm. You're the populist, exactly. Yeah. Unai Emery is gaslighting the Emirates every single match. <laughs> it's an absolute farce. The Emirates is now the red and white house. It is. Every, <laughs> every team sheet is fake news. You look at the team sheet, you're like, is this real? Is this Sharpie. It's questioning your sense of reality. <laughs> um, we got a question from Rajar MX. How excited are we by Willock? Also, should Chambers be starting over Louise? I'm really excited by Joe Willock. And got the contract as well, didn't he? Yeah. Secured the bag, as they say. I really, really like him. I think he's going to end up being a very, very important player for Arsenal. I think Chambers actually should probably be starting at right back, as opposed to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who, as I've said before, has done a, a good job filling in, but he isn't a right back. Yeah. Chambers is a right back, or a centre back, or a centre midfielder apparently as well a very fine player but yeah I'm not sure if he should be starting over Louise no no maybe uh, do you know what though I think it's a there's a conversation to be had there when Holden returns because Chambers and Holden have partnered each other in defence at England level quite a lot and you're looking at me like I'm as chaotic as the Premier League they've just bought Louise yeah I'm just saying it's an option there's a conversation to be had sorry I thought you embraced nuance Musa not this time. I'm an absolutist. I just think that give Louise a chance. Oh, in the words of John Lennon. The pacifist of podcasts. <laughs> give Louise a chance. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal came back from a goal down twice. Ten men. Can I say shout out to the Pavel Nedved tribute finish by Chambers outside oh, of the right it foot. It was lovely, yeah. Hey, that Maybe we should play him up front. Do you know what? Lewandowski tried a similar, similar angle. And couldn't pull it off at the weekend. Shout out for one of my sons, Matteo Granduzzi. Another unbelievable performance. Yeah. He took responsibility, didn't he? Yeah, man, he's, I think he's the only nailed on midfield starter really at the moment. Can I say with him, the way he spread the play, the distribution. Yeah, he won the penalty impressive. as well. He really very impressive. He's stepping up a lot. He's not hiding no, at, not all. at all. Not at all. Anything else from the Premier League? Oh, we've managed, you've managed to get away with, without talking about your beloved Manchester United. 
What, mid-table battle? We had a question on this okay. from Jake. Well, it's kind of related to Manchester United. With tactical understanding fairly mainstream, are pragmatic managers thinking Solskjaer, Emery, Zidane always going to be scrutinised by people asking what are they actually trying to do here? It's a very generous analysis of what Zidane and Solskjaer are doing, I think. I think they're being outcoached. I think that I just think that the footballing IQ of these coaches is so high that people that don't maximise their squad potential are being exposed week in, week out. Basically, like the only thing you can do if you've got this uh, inequality financially as you have in these big teams, these big leagues, like, you know, Granada and Barcelona is Barcelona come in half cocked and Granada just coached the ass off it. And that's what's happened. Like they've just been unbelievable. And that is the only way I think that teams with fewer financial resources can equalize. Mm-hmm. This is tactical sharpness. And unfortunately, Emery, to a, to a smaller extent, because he's still winning games, Solskjaer and Zidane are being exposed. I mean, Zidane obviously can say, like, they're second in our league, yeah, but they got torn to pieces by PSG. Mm. And that is where they want to really hit pay dirt. You know, Madrid do care about the league, but let's be honest, for them, it's about the Champions League. Well, maybe they should start focusing on the league a little bit more. Yeah, because it's focusing on them, for sure. Yep. Uh, let's take a quick break. We've run super long on this bit. Cool. Quick break, and then we'll be back with the rest of the stuff. Right, back from the break. Shout outs. Got any shout outs? Uh, actually, this is actually um, a couple of things. First, shout out to Granada, obviously, uh, for providing the greatest care so we can. But also, did you see Susie Rack's drawings? No, I haven't. So Susie Rack, who is you know brilliant uh, reporter, uh, primarily covering the women's um, football, she's done these pictures on Twitter of the three uh, main nominees for women's um, sort of player of the year, and they're <laughs> amazing. They're amazing. How? Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, this is some like all kinds of talents. Oh. The account, the Twitter account of all the talents. Oh my God, I've just seen them. They're so good. They're so good. Wow. Yeah, that's a shout out. But do you know how there's like football writers who've got these multiple gifts? So like, you know, Philippe Claire is like, like Louis Philippe, who's a brilliant singer-songwriter. Yeah, Cherry Red Records. Right, exactly. And then you've got like Susie Rack just like killing it. So oh, I wow. wonder what else is going on. What Must else be nice to be talented. Listen, to, listen, do you know what? Let me not bring up your musical career. <laughs> that's, that's not an example of my talents at all. <laughs> so I won't get into that. I won't expose you again. Hey, you don't need to. No one, no one needs to know that. But they're great, aren't they? They are really good. Yeah. Um, my shout out is, I'm going to shout out everyone who attended a climate strike last Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was incredible. It was over a quarter of a million in Berlin. Yes, yes. And, Gosh, and uh, actually globally, just millions on the streets, right? Yeah. Shout out to Greta. The kids are going to save us all, man. Do you know who else I want to shout out? Segwaying. Yep, Segway. Mr. Romelu Lukaku. Listen, Romelu, my man, came through. <laughs> Listen, Romelu came through doing the Lord's work. In the uh, Derby della de Madonnina. See the celebration as well. Oh, yeah, I saw it. Are you not entertained? <laughs> are he, you not entertained? He is tearing it up. Wait a minute. Was that Romelu that couldn't score in a big game? Oh. Scores the clinching goal in the Milan derby. Oh. Scores his third goal in Serie A. Hmm. After being abused. Interesting. So Lukaku actually is... Sorry. I'm, sorry, let me just check his notes. Is actually a big game player. <laughs> Fancy that. You know what I love? Romelo's just taking it all on board. God. Do you know what I love as well? 
I love the relationship he has with Conte. Yeah. Talk about trust. He trusts him. Conte trusts Lukaku. I do wonder if there's a little bit of shared dislike for Mr. Mourinho in that relationship. Do you know what I love about them? They're motivated by grudges. Mm. I love people. I love a good grudge, actually. And in many respects, Conte is the perfect inter-manager. Oh, yeah. It's weird because for a guy that has such a career at Juve, I was like, you've always got such an inter-energy about you. And there is an energy. Clubs have energies, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's deep. Uh, Ace, oh my God. Well, we had a question yeah. from Sana Kreshi about Inter. Top of the table, four wins and counting. Do they have the stamina to keep it up? Yes. I really hope they do. They do. Do you know why? They've got a little bit more depth this season as well. That guy is sensey. That guy has an absolute cannon. Do you know what? Inter haven't had a cannon like that from distance since uh, Stankovic. Oh, wow. That strike. Sense. <coughs> Are you all right? Just take some water. Sorry, yeah. Keeping that in. Oh my God, it sounds like a hippo drinking. They <laughs> <laughs> very dangerous animals. That's right. Listen, don't they mess look with cute. us. Actually, you could be a hippo. You I look could. cute. You'd be very dangerous. Got a big ass as well. <laughs> <laughs> the big back off. Musa <laughs> <laughs> got back. Got back. No doubt. No doubt. Listen, it is what it is. Gets me around. So, um, so yeah, into doing well. We haven't really got time to go too much further into Serie A. So let's dart to the Bundesliga quick. Yeah. Headline images there. Dortmund. Oh dear. Dortmund going to Dortmund. Yep. Two all against Eintracht. Um, they conceded a late goal. And unfortunately, the psychological issues, I think actually Jasmina... Yeah, we had a question from Jasmina Schweimler about yep. this. Please discuss Marco Royce's statements after the Frankfurt game. Is it a mentality problem or not? And obviously he came out, that there was a, a question put to him whether mm. this was yet another example of Dortmund's, what, potential, I don't know, instability? Yeah. In terms of The mentality, mentality. Like, do they have the killer instinct? Yeah. I... I'm going to be a massive fence sitter here. I think sometimes own goals at that stage of a game can happen and Eintracht aren't terrible. They've lost a lot of players this season, Eintracht, but still going there isn't an easy, it's not an easy gig. Mm. I do think this Dortmund team are still a little bit flawed. I don't think Hakimi is having the greatest of seasons this season. No. I don't think he's been as impressive as he was last season. It's the loss to Union as well. There's something else going. I just think that... Well, they had this at times last season. We said this. Yeah, and I, look, Royce, of course, will defend his team and will not say there's a mentality problem. I kind of think there is. I think that if you're going to win a league, you beat teams like Untracked. And look, I'll give Dortmund credit for going ahead. Don't get me wrong. They went ahead through Jadon Sancho. And you can say that the way they constructed that goal, in fairness to Dortmund, they constructed that goal in a very systematic fashion. They didn't sort of panic. They, they played... They played like good attacking football, take the leap. They didn't close it out and mm. you've got to close games out. You look at Werder, uh, what happened at Werder Bremen when Leipzig win 3-0 after going a man down at 2-0 up, they score a third goal. And that's the thing that, if we're going to be really harsh, Leipzig have shown a killer instinct this year. Mm. It's only a few games, so it's early days, small sample size and no disrespect to Dortmund. It's just that if you're looking at that league and who is, who are by, who are by more frightened of, to me it's clear. Dortmund, don't worry, Dortmund's still early days, don't get me wrong. And actually, in a short space of time, they can turn that around because Bayern will drop points, even with Coutinho and Perisic looking good. And I'm slightly annoyed they got those players in because... without Coutinho, Man United. Well, the gap without Coutinho and Perisic... No, because without Coutinho and Perisic, Bayern would be really vulnerable. Mm. But those players are slotted right in They've been very good recruitment, actually, by Bayern in the end, which is what they always do in the end, in summer. But without Coutinho and Perisic, this is a Dortmund-Leipzig league, I think. 
Yeah. I really think it's that serious. All the potential's there. Right. I just want, I, and I'm a big fan of Lucien Favre. I really, really do like him. Yeah. We all do. I wonder if they need someone a little more mean. I like that. Yeah. I think he's mid-era Wenger. Some of the stuff they were playing under Thomas Tuchel was mind-blowing. And Tuchel seems like a good guy, but he also seems like a guy with a streak. Tuchel, I think, is brutal, quietly brutal. Well, there was that really famous thing about his training sessions. I told you this. No, no. About how Tuchel's thing is that he makes training sessions more stressful than real match settings, basically. So, for example, they would do all these normal training exercises, but they would have, basically two players would have to be like tied at the wrist and stuff like this, or they would fire like tennis balls at them and all this kind of stuff during drills. So they'd have to be aware and move whilst focusing on what the drill actually is. So that when they actually got to the games, there was less pressure than there was in training. That's nuts. Do you know why? Because I heard, by contrast, before the Champions League final 2015, Barca-Juventus in Berlin, they barely trained for the final week before the final. Barca? Yeah, barely trained. And it's so funny how these different approaches lead to very different, well, you know, great outcomes, but it just goes to show how intensity is, we could talk again about this on a different podcast, but how, you, how we use intensity in football, both coaching, training. And on the field. Mm. Uh, one final thing before we wrap up in Bundesliga. Very quickly, uh, oh, the Frau, wanna, well, the Frau and yeah, Wolfsburg shout out 3-0 against Potsdam. Good win, that. The only reason I mentioned the 3-0 win is because that's a game that was on the calendar as, oh my goodness, this could be a kind of derby. And in the end, it was just a procession. I mean, Wolfsburg scored, Gunners de Tier scored after three minutes and they closed it out. And the last two goals came in the last 15 minutes. But in between, it was... One-way traffic, I guess. They're looking scary good. Scary. I mean, Alexandra Pop is not even scoring, and they're still hammering teams to three. You know, two three nil is a minimum scoreline for these these days. Yeah. One final shout in Germany. Shout out to the Magdeburg fans. Four thousand who went to Kaiserslautern for a um, third so Dritte Liga. Oh, that is a hardcore number. I retweeted a, a video of it on on my Twitter at Ryan Hunt. It's a long journey. Oh, yeah, well, a thousand kilometers round trip. Shouts to Alex Howell who posted that. Big, big deal. That is it. We're done. We're done. We're done. Oh my goodness. So much to get through. So much chaos to get through. If you haven't bought one of the Stadio Purple logo t-shirts, yes. you can go to Everpress or go to at Stadio on Twitter. Go find it. We, we might extend it for a little bit longer so people could buy them. Yeah, why not? Why not? Go <laughs> In other news, anything else to push? Oh, yes. There's, um. before I forget, yeah, sorry. Something else I've got to push. There's this incredible podcast called Stadio. If you find it on iTunes or on social media, it's at Stadio on, uh, on Twitter. On Instagram, it's at Stadio Football. Please like it, review it, hopefully very well, and share it with whoever you like. That's, wow. my, that's my plug for the week. You just yep. bigged up your own show. Listen, it is what it is. You've got to, you've got to be, always be marketing, always be You're closing. Stadio hype, man. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're playing out this week on Odyssey. Our lives are shaped by what we love. They are indeed. And we'll be back next week. We will. Bye. Where are you today? Do you know your way? Are searching for some mountains lost? Just wanting your wind at any cost.
now blazed earth's trail Taught from childhood that he must never fail He spared false values and unnecessary wiles Every stranger is your enemy 